I know people whose supervisor said, we are academics, we are researchers, we don't take holidays. Or writing emails like, ah, yeah, guys, like my team, I am on holiday, so I will only work six hours uh, in the coming two weeks because I'm on holiday. That is also imposing in another way, right? You should take me as an example, and I'm this. And then there are people, like you said, who said, like, no, you, you can't. You can't take the time off. It's a very difficult dilemma. And at the end of the day, once you find a person, if you need this kind of help, to sit together and to, to discuss these things, different kind of solutions based on your own situation will arise. This could be talking for, to the ombudsperson in your university. This could be going to your labor union uh, and, and reporting the situation and like trying to protect your rights. This could be quitting if there's nothing else. The thing is, pushing yourself to, to, uh, to burn out and then finishing your PhD doesn't mean that you're off the hook. That comes back to you after a few years. I've seen this so many times and I, I've begged people in the past, look, like this is not going well. You should really tone it down. You should reassess the situation, take it slow or, or like consider this and that and that. And they said, no, I will just push through, do it. And they, they did. They did. They did finish the PhD. They did go through the postdoc or whatever. But at some point they broke down. Özgün, I know that you have a message to share. And I believe, actually, I, I, uh, I'd want you to just share it right now. It should be the first thing that we share uh, during this, uh, this episode. Are you ready yes. to share, share this message? And yes, then I'll introduce yes. you. Uh, thank you. Thank you for uh, giving me the space to do this first. It's uh, very important to me indeed. Um, probably you know uh, already and... Uh, maybe some of our listeners also uh, know that on the 6th of February, so uh, around like 10 days ago or so, there has been a like devastating earthquake in, in Turkey, actually um, in Turkish uh, borders, but affecting heavily Syria as well. And um, mm -hmm. more than 20 million people are affected. It's uh, like more than... I think now the unfortunately the the count they as they count the dead people it's about 40,000 mm -hmm. only in Turkey so many people lost no. their homes and um, so many people are wounded there's still a, a little bit of like miracles here and there people can come out of, of um mm -hmm. under the rubbles uh, the rubble. yeah alive mm -hmm. I I heard some cases yesterday wow after, after all, all these, these days, days. Wow. after after more than 250 hours. But yeah, like many lives are ruined. And then um, I am Turkish uh, originally. And culturally, like, um, we have a more collectivistic society. Let's put it that way. So mm -hmm. we are all going through mm -hmm. a collective trauma. So um, it has been a difficult two weeks for, for me and many other people. And I, the message here that I want to give is that because so many lives are ruined, uh, it's almost impossible to build the whole thing up on, on our own. I mean, we can't leave these people to their own devices. So 
the message is if you have the capacity, please donate some um, even small amounts of money to disaster relief organizations that you trust who can um, mm -hmm. spend it for the benefit of, of these people over there. Um, yeah, if I need to give a recommendation, I can do that. Uh, but um, there's an organization called Ahbab. Maybe I can uh, spell it for you. It's A-H-A-H-B-A-P.org. So you won't see an English language website there, but there will be one button that's called disaster donation. So that's that's the one. Mm -hmm. uh, that's like a grassroots organization that's really doing a lot for, for these people over there. It is an important message. This is very current. This is very recent. Uh, the trauma, you, you are in Belgium. Uh, you have told me off the record that your family, uh, you know, at least from what you said was okay, which is a good thing, but for many families, it isn't okay. So, so that's, this why I, I, you know, you, you had told, told about the opportunity to give this message and I, this is why I thought it was important too. So now after this moment and, and, uh, you know, asking people who are watching, uh, uh, to, to follow the link here if they can and, and donate, um and for people listening again it's ahbap.org and there is a, a donate button right there in the middle you won't miss it if you can uh people families children are in, in great need over there so now we just talked about trauma gigantic proportions of, of trauma um but originally when when we talked about having this conversation it's not too far <laughs> departed although the nature and the scale had, has nothing to do with it but the idea uh, of the conversation today was to talk about your experience and your and what you've learned these last few years uh, about burnout i won't do the usual uh, beginning of the interview i think the interview started with your message which, which i think is important and now i'll i'll just present you and we'll go from there if it's okay with you so today I am welcoming here on Papa PhD, Özgün Unvar. Özgün is a certified life stress and burnout coach, working with academics around well-being, mindset, and burnout prevention and recovery. She has a PhD in social policy, a strong interest in psychosocial well-being in the workplace, and a passion for normalizing mental health-related conversations in every aspect of our lives. Her mission is to help academics and everyone else to prioritize self-care, work-life balance, and mental as well as physical health. Welcome to Papa PhD, Özgün. Thank you. Super happy to I'm have you I'm also very happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. So, Özgün, uh, my first question to you is uh, how prevalent in your experience is burnout in academia? In, in academia? Very, very prevalent. Well, the thing with the burnout is um, it is a syndrome. It's an occupational burnout syndrome is recognized by the World Health Organization 
and they have a they have mm -hmm. a certain definition of it. But then when you go into like studies, different studies, and the way the term burnout is being used, yeah, you, you see all kinds of things. There is no standardized definition. There are uh, no standardized like symptoms of it where you can like easily diagnose someone with uh, yes, burnout, no, not burnout. So mm -hmm. that is hmm. difficult statistic to give if we don't have that. But of course. Uh, from what I learned from my official um, certification program that I went through to become a burnout coach, let's say uh, at least 10% of the population is in danger of burnout, like this officially diagnosable occupational mm -hmm. burnout syndrome. Um, and of course, that's the number that we had before the COVID time. And now with oh gosh, all of these yeah, new yeah. things happening, it is increasing. Um, but indeed, it's a very good question that I would love to know the answer of. Maybe I can go to academia to research mm -hmm. that one day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, but if you say that the definition is fuzzy, it's it, it's hard. But, uh, but asking it in another way, you've, you work with academics in, in different yeah. aspects. How often does, do people come to you with burnout or, or pre-burnout uh, situations? Normally, everyone who, who ends up with me, who comes to me, have um, an issue there. Sometimes they mm -hmm, think mm -hmm, they are in the uh, pre-burnout stage. Then, then we find out that uh, they are really very close. Um, Mm -hmm. And let's also uh, say that burnout is on a spectrum. So it is not like an on or off thing. It is basically starts mm -hmm. with stress, the, those everyday stresses becoming unmanageable over time. And then stress becomes chronic stress. And then the chronic stress becomes overexertion. Let's call it that way. And that mm -hmm. then leads to burnout. So technically, to call uh, someone, to label someone with the term burnout, they should be having the burnout uh, symptoms for at least six months before. And so you don't okay. end up in a burnout okay. from one week to the next. It is a slow process to, to get there. And of course, once you get there, it is also quite slow to recover from there. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what I go, what I was going to mention is that once you you really uh, pass that that frontier, from what I've seen and heard, it takes a long long time to yeah, to recover. Indeed. But the good, the, the the silver lining in what you're saying, and and actually the the subject today is how to stop burnout in its tracks. Is that because it's a process? And tell me if I'm interpreting interpreting this right. If we catch it earlier, early on enough, there's ways to reverse the process. Is is yes. that, or or to stop it at least and and reassess and and put something in place to not yes, go there? Of course. Um, at, still, you come to a certain stage that you've never been before. That that shocks you and surprises you, and you go like, okay, how did I come here? But you can catch it here, here, or 
here. Like you don't see my hand on the camera anymore. It's mm -hmm. gone. <laughs> <laughs> so indeed, from wherever you are, uh, you can start working backwards and rebuilding that that resilience. Um, and we didn't make the link uh, explicitly, but the, the how we started the conversation and how I called like the collective trauma. Burnout is also mm -hmm. a trauma in and of itself. So there is a mm. there is a nervous system aspect of it. It is your survival mechanism getting out of whack. Basically, you are like too long mm -hmm. on fight and flight. You know that that stress and sympathetic uh, nervous system activation. You start freezing at some point. That that's the stage where you uh, basically prepare to die, and that intersection is also mm -hmm. what's called burnout. So both this drive and like keeping on going, and also the body saying no, I I can't. Uh, so it's over, yeah. your head does something else, your body does something else, and for a lot of people who have been in burnout, there's this uh, memorable moment where they say, okay, I, ca I can't like recognize myself anymore and I can't control my body, my mind and my life anymore. Like everything mm -hmm. is slipping away. And now my follow-up question to that is, is there a profile? Like is there, uh, I mean, is it more in your experience prevalent in people at a certain stage of their academic career or is it throughout it is throughout it is throughout but of course the earlier career uh academics um sometimes the higher the chance because uh, statistically speaking also uh younger people have a higher chance of um getting burnout that's uh, mm -hmm. that was something interesting for me. I wasn't expecting that, but uh, yeah, people under thirty, for instance, I, it's especially like a vulnerable uh, group. Um, that is also the case for academics. So most people who come to me, they're like PhD students, postdocs, uh, where yeah. where they have less control over their their work life. Let's say. But this doesn't mean mm. that you you won't have a burnout later on in life. It's it, it really it can happen to anyone at any stage of life at any seniority level, um, and mm. it is not hundred percent about work. I mean, it is occupational burnout syndrome. Work is a big aspect of it, but um, it usually uh, happens burnout usually happens at the intersection of your work circumstances your life circumstances and your personality traits so coming back mm -hmm. to your question like a, is there a profile um i uh, yeah tell us the story tell us kind of a generic story of 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 a, a story of of getting into burnout in in this yeah I, I it's a very easy we academics are very ambitious people, usually. If if anyone chooses to pursue a PhD and, and pursue an academic career afterwards, okay, you already have that high achieving side there. Many of us yeah, are very uh, perfectionist because we have to. You mm -hmm. can't like um, 
you can't make an experiment in a in a lab. Okay, I'm not a chemist, but I'm giving an example from chemistry. You can't just uh, put things together haphazardly. You have to like be very um, detail oriented, meticulous. very meticulous. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, we are very hard on ourselves in terms of uh, self judgment that I see in myself and in all of my clients and in the academic community in general. And my personal hypothesis around it is that um, the, the criticism, the critical mind that we have as academics, as scientists, like going a bit too far <laughs> to the personal, personal mm -hmm. area. Um, science always goes forward with critique, right? You you see somebody's work, uh, you give a you give a critic so that that person can improve the work. But over time, uh, this has unfortunately evolved into like this criticism going to someone's personality, or the person can um, take it this way. I am my work is uh, not good enough, so I am not good enough. Not good enough. So okay. that that imposter phenomenon is there too for many of us. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they um, they accepted me as a postdoc for this project. They did something wrong because I'm not uh, good enough. Like I will be found out tomorrow how bad I am, and I will be out mm -hmm. of a job. I will lose all my reputation. I will end up homeless on the streets. Like that's how the, the, the classic imposter phenomenon it keeps yeah. going on and on. <laughs> So those are the like main themes, let's say, I, I see. Um, mm -hmm. I get more clients who are uh, women. Maybe that's because I'm a woman too. Um, so I, I can't really say that men have less burnout, but maybe they take more time to, to reach out to someone uh, when mm -hmm. that happens. Yeah. So I can see how how women having often having to juggle more in life than just their their mm -hmm. work life. And of course I'm generalizing but I can see how how it could be more prevalent in, in women for that reason mm -hmm. because there's there's more there's you know family there's eventually there's kids and you know, there's there's so many things that that pile up. And that you can, if you are in that mindset of I'm failing at this and I'm failing at life and I'm just a failure, uh, I can I can see how that how that could happen. But I can also see your point of men are more reserved or less prone to share yeah. and to be vulnerable yeah. uh, in that way. So yeah, it's a, yeah we can't really we can't really say at least from from here and with with yeah, our with our yeah. knowledge. Now. Um, my question to you is is what was and, and tell me if i if i misread but you did you you go through an, an experience of of burnout yourself yes and and if so how did it, how was it for you what what were the the reasons what did you learn out of it <laughs> apart from apart from deciding to start helping people with it yeah. but you know, you came out of it. Now you're you're in another chapter, and that's and that's you're leaving mm -hmm. proof that it's not a it's not a <laughs> it's not something that yeah. destroys you. 
<laughs> but but you, it does feel it can feel like that oh certainly it. certainly um by the way to just uh tell the truth i still consider myself as recovering in the process of recovery mm -hmm. still after four yeah. years or something um and i think i will be in the recovery stage quite a long time because what you go through is not something that can be reversed in a in a second or in a mm. in several months so i try not to give people this this uh, idea of ah yeah just come to me and i will fix you in a few weeks and you're good to go and you're who says new <laughs> that's not the case mm, yeah. that's important in, to see. in my experience what happened so as i said there is work circumstances there are life circumstances and there are personality traits for me work circumstances were not so heavy they weren't so bad um i had a great supervisor um by the way i went through my burnout towards the end of my phd that was the like the peak point of it and then i continued as postdoc mm -hmm. as well but after a while, I said, okay, I can't do this anymore and left uh, my academic career because also burnout showed me that I wasn't in the best career for myself. I was feeling mm -hmm. very lonely in the, in the job. As I said, I'm from Turkey. My parents, all of my family, they're um, back in Istanbul and I alone migrated to Belgium and uh, was working here, living here and all of that. So that isolation, that loneliness put a lot of uh, stress there. Um, there were other stressful things in my private life. And on top of that, I was very hard on myself, extremely hard on myself. Like um, nothing I did was good enough for me. Even if somebody would say, oh, yeah, yeah, congratulations, you get this published. I'm like, yeah, but do you know it's actually not as good as it's supposed to be, but, but they still published it. But uh. so <laughs> mm -hmm. at some point I was working um, till two o'clock in the morning, sleeping till noon, and then doing that, like isolating myself more and more and more to finish more and more. I had this genius quote unquote genius idea of uh if i like isolate myself as much as possible and do only work i can finish it like quickly and then <laughs> just move on <laughs> of course yeah. you laugh now it's stupid <laughs> it's the most stupid thing no, ever. But, but but i think i think you're not you're not alone thinking like that yeah. and it's uh it's i think it's natural and i and i I think a lot of people go through that, especially in that in that context of the PhD and the yeah. finishing your PhD. So, okay, I'm gonna, you know, clench my teeth and forget about social life and whatever, exactly. and, and just do this. And you're just shooting exactly. yourself in the foot. And a burn. Let me also say this: burnout is not a mood disorder. It's not a mental health issue. In fact. Uh, for example, clinical depression, that is a mood disorder. Burnout is an energy mm -hmm. disorder. So we talk about like energy management. I know that you talk about this uh, in, in other podcast episodes, like uh, energy management versus time management. Okay, both are important. But really, that energy thing, like 
uh, how much do I have? How much can I spend? Like that was something I wasn't aware of. So I just mm -hmm. kept pushing and pushing, pushing, pushing. And at some point I had a, yeah, what I could call today a nervous breakdown. That was a very scary mm -hmm. experience. Uh, I had to go to the like, uh, emergency doctor and like get some tranquilizers and everything. So that was kind of the, the flipping point for me. And even after that, mm -hmm. I went back to work and I said, yeah, okay, I will like low key. I will continue because I can't stop. Like stopping is not an option ever. It's not. So until <laughs> I had to, until I wasn't able to get out of bed, until I wasn't able to look another person in the eye without crying, like breaking uh, uh, really apart. Mm -hmm, I was down breaking uh, down like in the post office, in the, the doctor's uh, room. Um when I was speaking with my supervisor, with my friends, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so aye, aye, aye. <laughs> that's not okay, right? That, that is called, by the way, like, uh, technically, that's called emotional impairment. Like, you are, you're basically impaired hmm. at emotional level, at the cognitive level. You're exhausted to beyond what you can describe. It's not like, oh, I'm so tired, I can't get up. It is like really exhaustion to the point where like you cannot command your body anymore, which mm -hmm. is a very mm -hmm. scary place to be for, for, uh, yeah, for many of us who haven't gone through something like that. Like you go, okay, am I, am I losing it? Like what is, what's going on here? Um, so that was. Yeah. And for a lot of us who are very, very excellent, very based on rationality and control, and it must be really, really yeah. scary. Yes, I, I can only, yeah, I can only yeah, imagine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's how it got uh, to that place for me. And then what I did was like many other people do. I took two months off. I took two months off, mm -hmm. but how? I went home to my parents' place and I took my PhD thesis with me. I said, I'm going to finish this because I'm, I'm going to finish this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least <laughs> I didn't have to like continue working and doing uh, the other tasks I was being paid for um, at the mm -hmm. research institute I was working. Um, and that was another decision to make, right? Because... At that point, I was like, okay, either I'm going to um, rest a bit by leaving the PhD to the side, or I'm going to like try to finish this as much as possible. I chose the second one because I knew that I would probably not be able to go back if I stopped. But I, I took some yeah. help in the, in the meantime. I was already uh, getting some help, a lot of support from Everyone I knew, including my supervisor, my co-supervisor, the, the mm -hmm. jury, the examination jury, everyone. So, like, it was a collective effort <laughs> for me to finish. <laughs> um, then, after two months, I came back. I defended my PhD. Everything finished. And I said, okay, now the stress is over. It's gone. So, I can, I can go back <laughs> to my life. 
I did the thing. Yeah. It's good. But, but I feel there's a, a but, but coming up. <laughs> uh, two months later, boom, another crash. I had to go present mm. in a, like a European Commission meeting somewhere. And the, the, the stress mm -hmm. is building up. The anxiety is building up. The anxiety attacks coming back. Okay, I contact mm. uh, again uh, a psychiatrist and all that. Like, oh, what's going on with me? Do I have um, the, this disorder or that mental health illness? Like, what is going on? But it was basically just burnout coming back. And then I took, what did I do? Two weeks off just to relax a bit, to rest and like uh, at home and then went back to work. Three months later, same story. Same story mm -hmm. uh, being repeated four times. I said, okay, like there is, there is more to this. My body is telling yes, me something. There's more, like... to the, there's more to recovering from burnout uh, than just to take time off of work and stay mm -hmm. at home and like chill that's not recovery that's that is something that you need that rest to to calm your body down a bit like to get that energy a bit back but you have to put that energy into uh things that will really bring recovery so rest is yes necessary but not the solution unfortunately many people think that uh mm -hmm. like taking some time off uh, at home or a vacation or a hobby will help them uh, <laughs> like um, recover, but that's that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. So, Özgün, so what is what is the path to recovery? Because that that's the one that instinctively you say, okay, I'm tired, my mind is tired, my body is tired, I'll take some rest and then come back. But no, th there's something that stays there. What's the path then to recovery? So as I said, the WHO World Health Organization um, officially recognizes burnout as a as the concept. It's not a disease. It is it is not a condition. Yeah, but it's just like a syndrome slash um, phenomenon. So they say mm. that burnout is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. It is characterized by three dimensions, feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job, or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job, and third, reduced professional efficacy. Now, this definition comes from the research that was done uh, more than 50 years ago. A great start, but it is now a bit outdated, a bit old-fashioned uh, definition. So I also want to like uh, put in quickly the definition I use uh, and the definition mm -hmm. where most of us, like burnout coaches in Belgium and the Netherlands, use, um, okay. based on more recent research that's uh, being done in these countries. And according to this definition, the, there are four categories uh, of burnout, which I already actually said before. One is exhaustion, mm. like beyond what you can uh, explain. Second one is mental distance. 
This sometimes is called uh, uh, cynicism, but cynicism can be a part of it. The idea is that you get more and more isolated from your work and you lose the purpose of um, of your work. Like what you do day in and out doesn't mean anything to you anymore. And then you have the cognitive impairment, which means concentration loss to great extent. Like you, you can't, uh, let alone reading a scientific article, reading instructions to um, plug something to something else, even that becomes beyond your capacity. Um, mm-hmm. Memory problems um, also arise okay. for some people. And then you have the fourth emotional impairment, which is like the loss of control of emotions, everything becoming very intense and you being in this like survival state. I, I will, the smallest criticism becoming, oh my God, they're going to fire me and I will lose everything. So, um, to in my experience and uh, in my educated opinion as well around burnout, mm-hmm. uh, as I said, it's not something that you can recover from by resting, going on holiday, changing your job, getting a hobby, uh, whatever. Those are like good things. Yes, you should have them. Great. But if you're already there, that's not enough. You have to address the root cause of burnout. And... Um, that's the intersection of your personality traits, your work circumstances and your life circumstances come together. And mm. this is unique for every individual. That's why we have a, like a certain pathway, a guide, like a guide for uh, the majority of people. But I can't um, tell you, oh, you should do this and this and this, and then you will be done. There is no such thing because your needs and your situation is different from the other person. So that's mm. what makes uh, burnout recovery very tricky. Um, another thing, there is a lot of uh, also criticism and discussion around this issue too. I would call it self-care. Key mm-hmm. for uh, like both recovering from burnout and preventing burnout. But it all depends mm-hmm. on how you define self-care. But self-care. now I want to yes. take a break and ask you, David, tell me, what is self-care? What is self-care according to you? <laughs> I, was go- I was just going to say that it's an yeah? overused term. Uh, it's an overused term. But based on, on, on what I'm hearing from you, uh, I would say self-care um, has some aspect of uh, self-compassion. Uh, I would say there there is some aspect of um, uh, never le- letting work eat your me time uh, too much. Of course, to a certain extent, sometimes yes. You know, there's a weekend where you need to do more, but there's there needs to be some bubble, uh, the, some untouchable bubble of things you do for you be it yoga, knitting, singing in a choir, <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, and I would say community, be, you know, having a sort of 
uh, safety net, uh, not leaving yourself be alone. I don't know. These do these three definitely fit? definitely <laughs> very good. Actually, I was expecting more like I passed. Yeah, Did I pass? <laughs> you get ten points <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> so I was more expecting. Oh yeah, take bubble baths and this and that. But yeah, definitely. Um, it is very relevant what you said, especially the community aspect. Uh, many, many academics are uh, very lonely and isolated. Unfortunately, that's a huge stressor in someone's life. And that was a big stressor for me. Uh, but for example, this, this uh, bubble around work thing, when you tell a PhD student who has like a PhD researcher who left his or her country, all of the, their friends, like family behind to do uh, like scientific research in another country, like starting from scratch, I uh, put a, like a bubble around your work. My question at that time for the people who told me this, oh, yeah, but you should put like boundaries between work and life. I'm like, but what am I supposed to do? Like, I don't have anything to do than work. <laughs> but of course, like self-care wasn't my forte at the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, like coming coming back to self-care, like, like you said, exercise, it's yoga thing, singing in the choir. Those are amazing things. By the way, singing in the choir is um, shown like scientifically to be um more um creating more community feeling than even playing team sports like even be, being in a, like amazing. a football team or something so <laughs> that's so funny i i i just said it. i've been in i was in choirs when i was in voilà. university you know it and uh, i just it just came out i didn't know yeah. i didn't know that, that there was <laughs> yeah, a relation yeah, there to, is to the, and to self and the so community. exercise is important of course sleep is very important fun you know hobbies your diet drinking enough water though everybody knows these things and then mm -hmm. you have this balance you know this famous work-life balance that people talk about uh, which mm -hmm. is not only between work mm -hmm. and life but it, yeah between like so many other aspects of our lives that we think in the west a bit more categorically you know, like oh, there's work there's life there's parenting this that but it's basically mm -hmm. the harmony of these and like unlike uh, many people who think of balance as a noun, like a static thing where you like achieve, ah, oh yeah, okay, I achieved my balance and it is there now. Doesn't work that way. It is a constant balancing. So it is a verb, the balance. Of course, mm -hmm. some weeks you will have to do more of something and then another week something else, but that, that act of constantly keeping in mind, okay, like how much do I have to give? Because I can't pour from mm -hmm. an empty cup, like, Many uh, parents, for example, my clients, if they are parents, they say, oh, yeah, but I can't like stop doing this for my child and that for my child. And I'm like, but your child needs you to be healthy first before everything else mm -hmm. that you just put in your schedule. Mm -hmm. Because if you are completely uh, done, like exhausted, mm -hmm. Would your child appreciate you being a, like a healthy, happy parent or like getting everything, but not to have the parent? You've mentioned this question of um, people, you know, you come from abroad, you've left your friends and family, 
so you know you you there's many things that can happen uh, in in when you're getting used to a new culture uh, maybe you come from somewhere where uh, putting yourself forward is not seen in, in a good eye you can come from somewhere where uh, subservience to higher grade persons in your life is something very important and you have a difficulty of approaching uh, or and or asking things of someone superior and you might also feel in debt to the people. Oh, they accepted me. They br they they brought me here, or I have this opportunity of coming to this country, to do this research and to this institute. It's easy to fall into this trap of I should give my everything, and then and this is part one. And you kind of mentioned it before. Part two is often during the PhD, things go wrong. They have to. That's PhD. That's what happens in PhD. <laughs> and if you are extracted from your, you know, your milieu, from your family, from your friends, you have only yourself to talk to. You you have only your negative self talk to hear, and you can fall into shame. You can fall into kind of fight or flight or fight flight or freeze <laughs> that, that that you were mentioning of. Okay, this is not going well. It's on me uh, and the the imposter phenomenon. And I wonder whether, in your experience, or you know, th there is there is a way to avoid that because I think it's very easy to, especially if you're coming from abroad, to fall into into this. I I wonder whether there's advice to people who are expatriates, and uh, and to to make their self care uh, more uh, a priority. And if you have like some tips or tricks on, on how to keep that safety network alive, even if you're 3,000 miles away from family and friends. The only thing I can say from personal experience too, that for some people, this is a very difficult experience. Not for everyone, but I was one of those people like who, who experienced this very hard that that loneliness that isolation the, that that mm -hmm. you know i couldn't get out of this did not mean that i didn't have any friends i did but it was different it wasn't my mm -hmm. like core support network so the only thing i can say is like prioritize community aspect like really there is nothing there's absolutely nothing that can replace human connection you can be the most successful in your job you can you can earn i don't know how much money but at the end of the day as a human being you you need other people to to survive even if you can take care of everything your mental health will deteriorate so many of us unfortunately i believe make the mistake there we underestimate how hard it will be to um to get out of our comfort zone. And we go like many of us, ah, oh, yeah, but comfort zone is for getting out of and uh, mm -hmm. I will uh, like break everything I know and I will start over. Well, as a person who started over several times in my life, now I can say mm -hmm. like, I don't wanna do that anymore because it, it breaks certain things. So, um, there's actually another discussion that that comes out of this that's not uh, the subject for this uh, episode but maybe another time 
this overemphasis in academia that you have to move around, like that you can't have roots anywhere. You go where the job yeah. is. And yeah. that is becoming like, oh, you have to do that if you want to be an academic. Uh, do you really? Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot to think about that. And what you say is very, very important. Support is very important. Reaching out to people is very important. Um, and really making it a priority that you have people around you. Because mm -hmm. when worst comes to worst, those people will pick you up if mm -hmm. if you're mm -hmm. in that kind of stage, yeah. which happens around for you me and too. close. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Now you you were mentioning this thing about the the balance, balance not being yeah. a, not being a, a noun but being a verb, and yeah. and I have a, another question for you, which follows, which kind of follows up from what I, the, what I introduced just before. So imagine the situation of something is going wrong. Uh, I'm a young researcher away from my country, maybe like a notion apart. Um, and then I, I, I decide, okay, things are going wrong. I'm going to push the balance this way to work more and, and solve this issue. Uh -huh. And I'm going to drop some things off. You know, this week, I'm going to not do some of the things that are part of my self-care. And then the the problem doesn't go away. Next week, you say, well, I was able to do it you know, 60 hours last, last week. Let's do it again. And then I, I, you, know, you know where this is going. It's kind of a snowball effect. There's, there's a point that, point, that tipping point where you can't go back and you've spent all your energies. Mm -hmm. So how do you... I really want to help people allow themselves to take time for themselves when things are going wrong at the lab or, or, or in your research, but I don't know what message to, you know, what words to use to tell them mm -hmm. you've worked 60 last week or 80 this week, even though, even if you didn't resolve the issue that you were trying this week, you need to do 30 or 40. You mm -hmm. need to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's your, what, what's a message you can share around that? And we, we're getting to the end. It's, it's super interesting what you're sharing. We're getting to the end of the interview, but I, I know you can't give like advice of you know this way you avoid it completely this way you 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 know you you get past uh, past your experience of of um uh of burnout but what can you say at least in that in those situations which I know are very common yeah David what would you say to that person I kind of said it before in other words but what I feel is sometimes in certain conversations people there's words that people don't hear that you tell them and they they're not ready to hear and they they're like yeah you don't understand exactly but i i would say i would say never do a stretch of you know a week or two weeks of of you know of 200% work without programming a stretch of you know of taking the foot off the paddle for exactly a week in between them exactly so, and, and this is a general thing. Then taking the foot off the pedal can mean many things for you. But uh, yeah, th exactly. That would be my so you have the answer. <laughs> everybody has this answer. Believe me, everybody knows this because we are like bombarded also with these kind of messages. Oh, yeah, how do you prevent burnout? Like this, like that, da 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 da. da. The question for me is like, like you said, some messages don't get through. Why? 
why don't they get through? And that, like, I, I wasn't able to, uh, like, finish the self-care thing, actually. It's the, you know, the the overall thing, the energy givers, the things that Take give you energy. And now you have this balancing thing. And then at the core of self-care, you also mentioned this, self-compassion, mm-hmm. self-acceptance, and self-advocacy. You won't advocate oh, yeah. for your health, for your well-being, if you don't think that you are a valuable being who deserves to be healthy. If mm-hmm. you think that work is always more important than that your survival, your health, your well-being, those kind of messages will never get through. And once people get that that self-compassion, self-acceptance, this valuing oneself, mm-hmm. automatically they advocate for themselves. Like, why not? And they automatically mm-hmm. take those steps. Like, you don't have to tell them, like, give them a prescription of, oh, yeah, how many times did you say no today? It's not about how many <laughs> times you say no. It is, it's not about, like, um, learning scripts to put boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. It is about coming to a state of mind where those boundaries automatically appear because of self-preservation. Because mm-hmm. you you believe that you are something, someone worth preserving. I love it. I love it. But and it brings me back to something I just said before. And and I'm just gonna test you test you a little bit more on this because I think it's important. Go ahead. You're just telling me that you know people you need to be able to bring people to put themselves first. And I agree with you. This PhD is part of your life. It's something you're doing for, you know, that's going to be part of your life and that in 10 years, it's going to be part of the past in your life. And what happens uh, or how, how do you deal uh, when you want to, you know, to, to ensure your self-care, but then superiors shame you on it? Because... Uh, this is, I'm, I'm sure, the issue for a lot of people. Even it can be as something that self-inflicted. Oh, because they are kind of they have this relationship to hierarchy because of their culture or their personality. But even if they don't, even if they, you know, I'm thinking here. I'm in, I'm in Canada. If they're even if they're from North America, they've grown in this culture and they're they're super able to advocate for themselves. There's still a hierarchy, and it can be difficult to say, well, my PI is actually told me that they don't agree that I take this time off, yeah. but I will anyway. How do you, how do you solve this, this question and this difficult conversation? Unfortunately, it is, it is a very difficult situation for everyone who's, uh, who's there. And it happens so often that I don't really understand how, how those PIs can be so lacking of empathy and understanding of human Mm. condition. I know people whose supervisor said, we are academics, we are researchers, we don't take holidays. Or writing emails like, ah, yeah, guys, like my team, I am on holiday, so I will only work six hours uh, in the coming two weeks because I'm on holiday. 
it's like that is also imposing in another way right you should take me as an example and i'm this and then there are people like you said who said like no you, you can't you can't take the time off it's a very difficult dilemma and at the end of the day look once you get uh once you find a person if you need this kind of help to sit together and to to discuss these things different kind of solutions based on your own situation will arise this could be talking for, to the ombudsperson in your university this could be going to your um uh, your labor union uh, and and reporting the situation and like trying to protect your rights this could be quitting if there's mm-hmm. nothing else mm-hmm. the 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 thing is <laughs> Pushing yourself to to the uh, to burnout, and then finishing your PhD doesn't mean that you're off the hook. That comes back to you after a few years. I've seen this so many mm-hmm. times, and I've, I've begged people in the past, "Look, like this is not going well. You should really tone it down. You should uh, reassess, fa- reassess the situation, take it slow, or or like." consider this and that and that and they said no i will just push through do it and they they did they did they did finish the phd they did go through the postdoc or whatever but at some point they broke down because that's you you can't run away from your psych um, physiology and psychology Mm -hmm. being under so much stress i'm not saying that once you like uh come across such a person quit no there's no one size fits all thing here and Mm -hmm. there are always different routes that you can take there's like always different things that you can do you can rebel and still do your thing and get away Mm -hmm. with it you have to try of course but if worse comes to worse and there's no way out absolutely Mm -hmm. maybe maybe start over in another place Of course. Some people also have mentioned finding a mentor or a champion that that kind of kind of balanced things out uh, in a way. But it, it's I feel that there's a lot of luck in there's a lot of luck in that. Exactly. Not something you can prescribe. Exactly. A lot of different things happen. Like I, that's my personal story too. I had a great relationship with my supervisor. Awesome. I I love him so much. I even invited him to my uh, like wedding and everything. Like we see each other, but. I wasn't getting enough uh, like feedback from him to um, to advance my research. I was stuck all the time, and that was always having a terrible effect on me. And finding my supervisor at the time was the thing that saved me. Mm-hmm. So th- the important thing is to like really find the problem to assess, and then look into different ways and. In different countries, you have different solutions available to you. In different universities, you have different solutions. I can't tell a person, ah, oh, yeah, go to the, um, I don't know, labor union and uh, like discuss this to someone in Turkey, for example. Like that's not gonna mm-hmm. <laughs> work. But in Belgium, it might. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. The, every country has a culturally different resources for such people, and that's why it's important to find help because this is a very big thing to tackle on your own you will Mm -hmm. need the help of more than one person 
your healthcare providers being one of them, you will need help from multiple people. Yeah. Özgün, this has been wonderful and 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 you've you know you shared some personal your personal story. Yeah. But I think we did end up touching on many on many things that are real for a lot of people that are difficult for a lot of people. Yeah. And um, and I, I really appreciate that 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 we had the, the opportunity to 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 talk. And I'm kind of going to go the other way that you went. <laughs> But the take home message is: put yourself first. If you're moving to another country, make sure you beforehand you, you try to already have a community there waiting for waiting for you. Maybe just a community of expats. There's always things like that. Maybe uh, uh, if uh, we're talking about singing in a choir. Fix that in advance to be part of the choir when you get there or whichever, some people from your community that are there. Try to do that in advance because once you get there and and if you hit the ground running and start work, then it can get very difficult to say, hey, by the way, I'm taking time off to do something that this first three months that I came into your lab, I wasn't doing and I was just yeah, in the lab. Yeah, that, that too. So, very important. So put your, so I, I start with put put yourself first in your reflection This is a process for you. You decided to go, you know, to go do this thing of the uh, that is the PhD. Yes, the person is uh, is uh, uh, taking you into their lab, but it's your life and it's your health. Yeah. Put yourself forward, community, so that the second bubble is community, and then your interests that you've had from before, the things that 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 uh, re-energize you, because we all have different ones, and the things that that, that you're passionate about. Be sure to at least bring a, hand, a handful of them, or or make sure that a handful of them you can do there when 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 you go there. Exactly. And um, and then um, I feel that a, a last one is, and it it can be difficult, but is listen to your body, listen yes. to what yes. your physiology, what your nervous system is yes. telling you. If it's telling you, uh, look, there's a bear around the corner, you need to either freeze or fight or flight. There's something wrong. You shouldn't be going through exactly a research this research experience afraid for your life, exactly. even though it's not consciously and 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 really afraid for your life. That's how your your nervous and your, your physiology is going. Exactly. So go, get help right away. Yeah, and the last thing you said is very important because that's also my observation that many academics, many researchers, with the you know like with the scientific mind, we are like this brain mm -hmm. it's all in here we yeah. think we think <laughs> we don't feel we don't mm -hmm. feel we don't pick up signals from our body and then once we get like flattened on the bed we go like oh what, how did i get here well you didn't get there overnight duh <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you've been, yeah you've been working at this for a little while <laughs> exactly exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's that's a very important message i want to re-emphasize that yeah Excellent. Özgün, before we end, I want people to know if they want to reach out to you, if they want to ask you questions, uh, if they want just to say thank you for this conversation, what's the best way to reach out to you? Where where, where are you online? Yeah. <laughs> so my coaching practice is called Mind Your Own Revisions. I also have a podcast myself, uh, which is a rather dormant one. It comes uh, alive uh sometimes but it's okay. uh, like a low-key one not like yours or every week yeah but um so if you go to www.mindyourownrevisions.com 
you will find all the links to everything I do, like my YouTube channel, uh, the podcast, the ways to work with me, my online courses, um, like my email address, everything is there. And yeah, it's a, maybe a good uh, point to add to circling back to the message in the beginning of the disaster and uh, contributing to disaster relief. I am uh, running a four week a uh, program called Bounce Back from Burnout. It is specifically designed for academics and we go through the basics uh, and we, we assess the risk and we go through the, the basics of what, what is going on, why are you here, how can you like take things into your control and all of that. And the next um, next cohort will start on the 5th of March and all of the profits from uh, this cohort will go to disaster relief organizations trying to help the victims of the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. So if any of the listeners are interested in that, feel free to reach out to me, email me, contact me on the website contact form. I will certainly get back to you. And to anyone watching and to anyone listening, Özgün is going to send me the details for this. And I will put them in the show notes of the episode and you'll find the links there too, if you want. But also feel free, feel free to, to reach out to her and on her platform. So again, it's mindyourownrevisions.com. Yeah. yeah. All right. Özgün, this has been really, really wonderful. This Thank is not an so. easy subject. No. Uh, I, I was happy that I passed the test in the middle of the interview <laughs> when you asked me what self, <laughs> self-care meant to me. Yeah. Um, uh, I, but I think it, it, it's an important question because you were mentioning, oh, you thought I might say, you know, a bubble bath and, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, going to a spa. And I think for, for a lot of people, that's might they, what they might think about. But in this context, it needs to go deeper. Yeah. than just uh, than just uh, skin deep so yeah, yeah. Uh, uh it, it was a it was a great conversation thank you so much for coming on papa phd um you're and, very uh, very welcome and it was my pleasure it was a really deep conversation where we could really talk about important things so thank you for your really good questions mm-hmm. and for uh inviting me to be on this platform <laughs> so i'm i'm hoping that this conversation that we had help some people like shed light on their lives and assess a bit mm-hmm. how what's going on here if we can achieve a very small um like part in that yeah, a handful yeah a handful of people that would be great even great. what what i say usually is if i can help one person exactly. like my mission is accomplished already exactly so that's good thank you thank you so much and 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 actually i'm grateful for having the chance of asking you those questions without you in front of me i wouldn't have have had the chance to explore them and and to think of them even so thank you i usually tell people the the usual things a creator says at the end of the episode but today i'm going to say i uh, go to a h b a p dot org if you want to donate uh if you if you if you're able to donate yeah. to uh, to something today please go there uh and uh If you um, are interested in the event, the, the, the promotion or the not the, not the campaign that Özgün is organizing uh, around uh, a burnout, do, do that. Help, help. Uh, let's help Turkey. Uh, they, they need it a lot, Turkey and Syria. 
Um, and so I, I will end the episode here today, thanking everyone who watched live and thanking everyone who watched later or is listening in their headphones. So again, Azgun, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.